good morning, everybody. So good to see you all on this beautiful July morning. I don't know about you, I got out of my house and I was like, it's kind of chilly out here. Do you feel cold today? Well, we just invite you to stand together uh, and greet the people around you. Maybe share with them if you've done any cool traveling this month. we just sang it and we believe it that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever he is the true and mighty king who we can come to and worship he can be Lord of our lives and uh, you know the journey with Jesus is unusual and kind of kind of weird and crazy but it's it's really the best best way forward um, but it's it's got ups and downs and so we need to look to him always we need to seek him out we need to praise him we need to fix our eyes on him so we just encourage you this morning as we as we sing this song it's a, just a song to lift up praises unto God's name. So we invite you to join us as we sing this.
There's a passage in 2 Peter I want to share with us this morning as we continue our morning together. It says this, Jesus, he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, we are healed. We're going to sing that out this morning as we lift up our praises to the Lamb of God who took our place so we can be one with God the Father again. Let's sing this together.
front row seats for your cousin's baptism, right? Yeah, I love it. <laughs> they're, they're running to the front row for you guys. Don't you feel important, Hogan's? Yeah? Well, good morning to you all. I'm Pastor Aaron. I'm campus pastor here at Watershed as we're part of Heart of Lake Ministries. It's good to be able to worship with you. Thanks, team, for leading us uh, in song this morning as we worship our God. 
One of the cool things we get to do today is worship God through baptism. Um, And really in baptism, we are focused on God and God's promises uh, this morning. The Hogan's are coming, coming forward with child number five for baptism. You've done this before. This is, this is like cakewalk for you. Um, but for Eliza, this is a special and holy moment. And yep, you came in sleeping, but now you're awake. So yeah, hi, you're waving. Yeah, at least I think you are. Yeah. <laughs> But for us as a community around baptism, this is one of the greatest gifts and reminders that God gives us in our lives. It's a reminder that we are part of his family, and he's welcomed us into his life, and it's because of his love for us. Not because of anything this morning Eliza's done, or Kevin and Callie, or or you as a family, uh, because we are incomplete in and of ourselves. We could not span the chasm that was separating us from God. But the good news for all of us is that Jesus has. And that God so loved the world, he gave his only son to rescue us, to bring us back into relationship with him, to restore us, and to continue to bring his life for us. And that's what we're reminding not only ourselves of, that's what we're baptizing Eliza in, in Jesus and so why don't you come on forward, Hogan's, because Eliza's ready to, she's ready to make her way. <laughs> What's up, guys? You doing good? All right. No. <laughs> well, Eliza, hi, sweetie. Yeah. The, yes. It's, you, were, you were cashed out. I mean, it was great. Coming in this morning, she's like, oh, I get the yawn, and I'm like, Okay, it's good to be sleeping now, so you're wide awake, and look, there's you smiling on the screen. Yeah. Well, our reminder this morning of baptism is this, that baptism is a sign and seal of God's grace for us. We're reminded first off in baptism that God forgives us of our sins, right? He gives us something we didn't deserve that Eliza could never earn no matter how good she may live, no matter what mistake she makes, the promise of God for her is that she is forgiven in Jesus Christ. The next promise that we have and that we understand and that she will know is while she is your daughter, you are stewards of her life because ultimately she is God's daughter. So she will always be valued by him. She will always be like every one of God's children, the apple of God's eye. So baptism reminds us that, Eliza, yeah, you are adopted into God's family. And then God promises in baptism that he will send his presence, his Holy Spirit daily for her into her life, to renew her, to cleanse her, and to lead her in life. So she will never be without God's presence. There's not a person in this world that doesn't have God's presence in their life, whether it's just helping them to breathe today or to be known, to be loved, to be able to live. And then finally, we have that great promise that life doesn't end here on earth. Life is eternal. And that in Jesus, God will raise her one day and return her back into, a new, into that new and glorious creation 
but that death itself will never separate you, right? Death will never separate you from God's love, yet he will have you forever. And this morning, we remember this, these promises by water. Water cleanses, right? When we think about water, it purifies us. Water refreshes us. Uh, we're in the summer, so it feels good to dive into the lake to jump into pools, right? Yeah, it's refreshing, and we know we need water to live. It sustains us. And so we remember, just like water does that for us, Jesus is the living water, yet who will continue to do all of those things. And finally, in our baptism, then, we're reminded and we're called to love and trust, then, God completely, to forsake evil in our lives and to lean on him for that new life. So, Kevin and Callie, do you, prom- do you promise to instruct Eliza Jane Hogan in the truth of God's word, in the way of salvation through Jesus Christ, to pray for her, to teach her to pray, and to train her in Christ's way by your example, through worship, and the nurture of the church? If you can say so, please say, we do. God help you. Amen. Now, Eliza, I'm going to share some words with you, Okay. And these for us come from a liturgy, a French Reformed liturgy, but they're promises and they're a great truth. So Eliza, for you, for you little one, Jesus Christ came into the world. Yeah. And for you, he lived and showed God's love. For you, he entered the darkness of Gethsemane and the horror of Calvary. For you, he uttered the cry, it is finished. For you, he rose from the dead. And there he sits right now next to God the Father, and he acts on your behalf, just like all of us. Yep, so he's always there for you. And all of this he did, yeah, before you ever even knew it. So, we will continue to tell you this truth until it becomes your own. And the promise of the gospel is sealed in this. We love because he first loved us. Amen? And just like those words are true for your sister, they're true for each and every one of you. Okay? Sound good? Now we're going to baptize her. Okay? Eliza Jane Hogan, I baptize you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Spirit. Amen? Let's welcome little Eliza. Now, if you'll stand as a community of believers, of friends, and families, I have a question uh, for you all. Do you promise to love, encourage, and support these brothers and sisters by teaching the gospel of God's love, by being an example of Christian faith and character, and by giving the strong support of God's family in fellowship, prayer, and service. If you can say so, please say, we do, God helping us. All right. Now I'd like to invite some of your family and friends up. The rest of you, if you'll remain standing as we pray over. So If family and friends want to come up, you may. Otherwise, you may stay there. But uh, come on up, and we're going to say a prayer for the family. Guys, you can come up if you want. Yeah. (laughs) 
almost thought we'd just walk into the middle of the, <laughs> the room. I mean, <laughs> and if you all, if you feel comfortable, lift your hands as well as we, we pray this prayer to our God this morning. Our God, thank you so much again for your promises to us. And thank you for your promises to this beautiful Hogan family. God, I pray that you would continue to lift up Kevin and Callie as they raise their children, raise your children, as they continue to guide and direct them. Lord, give them wisdom. Give them grace and mercy. Lord, they're going to they're gonna do and have done plenty of great things in, in stewarding the lives of your children. But Lord, they've also made mistakes too, and we pray that in their mistakes, God, that you would also use those to teach and to lead and to guide. So grant them the wisdom, the strength, and the power to lead their children well. Lord, for Eliza, that she would come to know, along with her brothers and sisters, how good your, your love and your mercy is. How good this truth that has been spoken over her, these promises that are gifted to her before she even really knows them, are. So Lord, bless them and keep them. Lord, show your face. Let it shine upon them and be gracious to them. Lord, lift up that smile upon them and give them your peace. In the name of Jesus, all God's children say, amen. All right, one more time, let's welcome the newest little member. All right. As they are having a seat, I'd like to invite children through third grade to come on over to the door and we're going to say a prayer for you and I'm going to surprise Miss Becky. Miss Becky, I'm going to have you stay standing. Kids, I'm going to I'm going to have you sit one minute as you're coming, keep coming, but for the rest of us, um if you can see this person next to me, Becky Visser, um, you've heard kind of throughout the summer so far that uh, Miss Lori is transitioning to work with Michigan Rehabilitation Services. Um, and in God's like loving care for us in Providence, um, Becky, was, was her, she's been in children's ministry for, for a number of years. We won't say how many, right? Because then we get, I get in trouble. So. Um, but she was, you know, she had an opening. And so did we. And so Becky Visser is here joining us, helping lead the charge. Um, can we welcome her as well? <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> but you guys are going to love her. I already do. How about we let Miss Becky pray for us, okay? Father God, we just ask that you please be with these children as they leave for Sunday school. Please just open up their hearts and their minds to hear your message. Be with us as a congregation, open up our hearts and our minds as we listen to Aaron's message this morning. In your name we pray, amen. I can't forget the coffee. <laughs> a couple announcements before we go into the message this morning. Um, just a reminder, next week on our third Sundays, we're back having our third Sunday potluck uh, next week. So we're going to be celebrating communion and then having a meal afterwards. We're supplying the meat this time. Again, last time we gathered together for the potluck, uh, we thanked our, um, our, uh, our worship team 
our leaders. We're grateful for them. This time we're providing food and we want to say thank you to Children's Ministry and Youth. Uh, we have a number of volunteers and people who give their, their time every week um, from middle schoolers on up who are helping uh, to walk with our kids. We've got amazing uh, leaders in our middle school and high school youth programs. So uh, we just want to share a meal together again to say thank you. We appreciate those people who, who volunteer and give their time. Um, we couldn't, again, do that. We couldn't do life together um, and share the gospel with so many people if it wasn't for you. So uh, next week I'll have you stand up and then you're probably not going to show up because I already told you I'm going to have you stand up. So, um, <laughs> but with that being said, just wanted to remind you of, of that um, coming up. So if you will, join me as we pray one more time um, before we dive into God's word. Father, thank you again uh, just for your goodness to us. Lord, I'm reminded this morning of um, families right now that are, are going through some, some heartache and some challenges. Lord, um, I think about the Vandermolens this morning and, and God, um, in the passing of Terry's sister, Lori. God, for uh, their family, for, for Lori's family, for her husband, Lynn, and for Jessica and her family, Travis's family, Lord, um, God, we just want to continue to, to lift them up as they walk through a valley. We sang, yes, I will, Lord, and, and while life is full of celebrations and joys, and we celebrate this morning, um, and we celebrate, God, that even death has lost its sting, it's been swallowed up in victory doesn't mean that it's still not hard. And so, God, we pray your comfort, your compassion to be poured out on them. Lord, um, I'm reminded as well of Norlin, Kampan, Norlin and Cheryl, and God, the passing, unexpected passing of, of his brother-in-law, of, of Howard. God, we want to pray for their family as well. God, these are challenging times. When we have to face life's last final hurdle. But Lord, thank you that even in death, we don't face it alone. You're there. You do renew. You do breathe new life. Lord, that Howard, that Lori, God, they have eternal life. The promises of baptism we hear for Eliza this morning were true of them. That in you, death couldn't even win. So Lord, may that hope abound. God, we think about the Aronson family, for Ryan and his family. Lord, daughter Hannah is, was in a terrible car wreck this week, and, and Lord, we want to uh, just pray for her and her friends, and Lord, Hannah's in critical condition, and Lord, we, we just pray that you would rescue her from the clutches of, of pain, of of broken bones, of swelling, of things that doctors are still trying to identify. Lord, if she's in critical condition, bring her back to life. Restore her. God, by your grace, your mercy, we lean on you. We look to you. Father, there are others in our community that are in the hospital that are, that are, that are being challenged, that are, are facing 
other valleys, or there are brothers and sisters who are dealing with jobs. Lord, we're dealing with things like the cost of living being just crazy. And Lord, all of these things put stresses upon us. Lord, we just pray that you would take those burdens we carry, that we would trust you to, to, to hand those to you, to, to lean on you, to rest in your strength, because so often we don't have it. Father, and as we come into your word this morning, focus oftentimes can be caught up in many different things, in those stresses, in the challenges. So God, in your grace, we ask that you would speak to each of us, to our hearts, speak into the, the stresses as we sang about, that you, you, you can cure, you can help our anxieties, speak into the anxiety. Lord, but encourage our hearts, lift us up, continue to transform us and renew us into your image, that image you created us in. Help us to hear the good news again that you are for us and not against. Father, and I ask that you would speak through me. God, I, I have no right to stand and proclaim your word. You've just asked me to do it, and I'm here. So Lord, speak. Speak your words. Use me, use the preparation, use your Holy Spirit more than anything else to teach us, myself included, of your goodness. So, Lord, we lean into you, we rest on you, we look to you. In the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and all God's children said, Amen. This summer, we've been in a series. Uh, we've been journeying in Proverbs quite a bit. Uh, this morning, we're going to jump around into some other wisdom literature. In the Bible, we have something called wisdom literature. It's the Psalms, Proverbs, Job, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Right? These are books in the Old Testament. So if I'm uh, opening up my Bible, right, you kind of, this is how you would open it. You kind of hit the midway point. That's where wisdom is. I don't know if God did that on purpose, you know, because really humans sort of ordered, put the, all of these 66 books of the Bible together. But we trust that the Holy Spirit was doing something when that all happened, that, that God put wisdom smack dab in the middle of the Bible. So like, if, how many of you have ever just kind of opened the Bible hoping to read something, right? Like, I don't know where to go. Like, if you kind of go to the middle, you're going to find something that might actually apply to your life. So I think God's a genius. I'm just going to confess that this morning. Um, but we've been journeying through wisdom. Right? And what does it look like? What does this mean? This morning, at the heart of wisdom, we've heard about something called the fear of the Lord. So we're going to talk about the fear of the Lord and what that is. I don't know about you, but this is how I grew up in the church. The fear of the Lord was like equivalent to the fear of hell. Right? You fear the Lord because you fear hell. Right? So, so the fear of the Lord was anchored in a lot of sin management, like, don't do the wrong things or else. Or even a lot of image management, right? How many of you are, you know, like social media, image management all the time, right? We're, we're our personal brands. But the fear of the Lord was about managing a lot of my life so that God doesn't get mad at me and so that I don't go to hell. Well, here's the thing. 
If that's the fear of the Lord for us, we're going to miss what is truly the beginning and the end of wisdom. We're actually going to get to a position, I've gotten there, I don't know if you have, but where it's like, oh, man, then I, you keep telling me this God is for me, but at the end of the day, if all I ever do is I'm, I'm afraid of him in such a way that he's only going to ever swing the big stick and knock me out, like, I'm only ever going to be judged, and I'm only ever really avoiding hell, like, at some point in time, I'm just going to say, I'm done. Because I can't live underneath that burden. Right? And that message actually flies counter to Jesus. It flies counter to God's grace and mercy and what we'll see. It flies truly counter to the fear of the Lord. So we're going to be looking at a lot of different texts this morning. I'm going to bring us to kind of our fundamental verse for today. And in Proverbs, a lot of times you may deal with a verse at a time. But at its core, Proverbs 9.10, we hear this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Right? This is at, at its fundamental principle, at the core, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now I want to look, and, and at the title, you see the beginning and end of wisdom. The word beginning here in the Hebrew, actually in chapter 9, means first of first importance, of primacy, it, it will always be number one on the list. So, so at the end of the day, we fear the Lord, it's number one on our list of to-dos if we're going to have wisdom, if we're going to have understanding. Other words that will be used in this kind of phrase that we'll hear later in chapter one is beginning also means beginning and end. That beginning means it's the source of where wisdom comes from, but because that source is kind of on the mountaintop, it's also the summit, right? It's the place we go to. It's the place we're drawn to. So the beginning and the end of wisdom, at the heart of all wisdom, is this concept of the fear of the Lord. Psalms, we hear this in Psalm 111. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts, the Lord's precepts, have good understanding. And then we hear this little phrase, to him belongs eternal praise. We just sang that this morning, right? That we praise you, God, right? We praise you. We repeat that phrase. Why? Because it sets us into a posture in a position that says, the fear of the Lord goes, this is about God, not about me, right? If I'm going to have wisdom, if I'm going to have understanding, if I'm going to wrap my mind around the fear of the Lord, I got to understand it's about him, not about me. Proverbs 15, verse 33, we hear this. Wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord, and humility comes before honor. So if it's about God and not about me, humility is incredibly important, isn't it? That in my life, I actually have to be willing to submit to something other than me. Right? I have to be willing to bend my knee. I, I have to be willing to say that, that I actually don't rule my life. As much as I want to, right? Amen? How many of you want to rule your own life? Yeah, yeah. How many of you want to live by your own truth? Yeah, right? We, this, is, like, this is in our DNA. We want to. However, if we want true wisdom, if we want understanding, I've said this throughout, that wisdom is living with and in light of God, right? That we've got to, A, 
know that life is about God, and B, we have to then be humbled before God. I may have some things right. I may have some, some truth that definitely will lead me, but it's only truth because it's under the umbrella and under the realm of God and who he, said, who he is and what he said. So I have to be humble. That humility comes before honor. We hear this in Proverbs 1, verse 7. When we began this series, this verse came up. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction, right? If I acknowledge God, if I'm humbled before God, there's also then the, the adverse side, right? The other side of it, and that is I could say no. Now, there are plenty of times in my life where I, un, I unknowingly don't follow God's commands, right? I do something dumb, <laughs> and I didn't do it intentionally. Truly, believe me, every time I do something dumb, I don't do it intentionally. Oh, and by the way, so does everybody else on the road. I know. I've got a hard time wrapping my mind around that. <laughs> right? But the reality is for us that also fools despise it. There's an active disregard for God. The fear of the Lord means, yes, while I honor God, I also am I actively dishonoring? Am I actively pushing him aside? Job. Job is a story, and in, in, in a couple weeks, uh, Pastor Corey Plockmeyer will or be here, and he'll give kind of a, a survey of the book of Job. Basically, Job, uh, he lives every, he, re, he lives the Proverbs kind of life, right? He lives into the probabilities of Proverbs, as we've said. Proverbs is about probability, not necessarily promises. He lives into doing it all the right way, and so for some reason, it still gets messed up. And in the midst of that, though, he remains faithful to God. And, and in verse uh, 28 of chapter 20, it says this, And he said to the human race, God said, Job says, The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to shun, fear the Lord, wisdom, to shun evil, is understanding. Right, that I'm willing to turn away from evil. I'm going to fear God, but I'm going to turn away from from evil. And finally, in Ecclesiastes, as a writer has been journeying in Ecclesiastes to understand life and its meaning, says this in chapter 12, verse 13, now all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter, <laughs> right? He's, he's looked at all aspects of life, and at the end of the day, the beginning and end of wisdom is this, fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. Right, by now I think you're understanding. Fear of the Lord is an incredibly important thing. So, what is it? What is the fear of the Lord? One of my overreactions to how I was brought up on fear, because, you know, I didn't know how to reconcile the, the fear of God I, other than, okay, it's sort of the fear of hell, and I don't want to go to hell, and I don't want to screw up, so... All I did was live trying to do, make the best choices I could, but always afraid that when I made a poor choice, God was against me, not for me, right? You're, you're, you're tracking with me. Maybe some of you feel the same way. Was, okay, maybe if I understand the fear of the Lord as awe and wonder, and it gets preached this way as well, and because that is part of the term fear, awe and wonder. If I just am an, okay, if I'm just in awe of God, that's the beginning and end of wisdom. 
But what we'll find out is scripture doesn't really say that. Fear actually means fear. Isaiah, he was a priest, not only a priest of the people of Israel, he was a prophet. And when he encountered God, okay, a priest, a prophet, knows kind of God better than most people maybe in, in, the, in, in the day. He was, he was that guy. It, 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 what happens? Woe to me. He comes into contact with God. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Isaiah falls prostrate, flat, face first on the ground right? Poor guy needs a wardrobe change. Because he came into contact with the Lord Almighty. And he's trembling and quaking. What do I do? He saw God. He saw sin. And it wasn't even good enough, like, oh, I'm a sinner. He's like, I'm with people who sin. I am hosed. The fear of the Lord is a trembling and a quaking. But listen to the next verses. Verse 6. As much as Isaiah then comes to this knees knocking, he's trembling, he falls flat on his face, he thinks he's dead. Then one of the seraphim, God's messengers, the one who, who works on God's behalf, one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs of the altar. And with it, he touched my mouth. And he said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. In this moment of great fear, Rightly so, that we don't take away, over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about paradox. There's, we've, we've we got to have a both-and mentality, not an either-or mentality, right? That, that in his one hand, right, he's in absolute trembling, like my life is gone, I am dead, knees knocking, he's quaking. What happens? The one he fears is for him and not against him. He isn't threatened with hell. He isn't threatened with go be better, go do better. He's given a gift that says your sins have been atoned for. You have been cleansed. Of the God he fears being for him, not against him. The God he fears lifting him instead of beating him down. So while he trembled and quaked, he was also in awe and wonder. That maybe the fear of the Lord is both. And not just either or. Well, guess what? Isaiah wasn't the only person to encounter this. There was John, the apostle of Jesus. So he was friends of Jesus, and here he is. He's imprisoned on the island of Patmos, and God comes to him in a vision. Jesus actually comes to him in a vision. And what do we see right away in Revelation 1, 17a, the beginning of that verse? When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. The same posture of Isaiah, right? This fear, this trembling, this, whoa, I am now in the eyes of God. I am with the Lord Almighty. 
holy smokes. But what do we hear in the rest of this verse? Not when I just saw, you know, I fell. But then he placed his right hand on me. And he said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. The Jesus he had known, he quaked before. So if the fear of the Lord is really true of us, if it was true for Isaiah, right, one of the main prophets of Israel, of like the whole Old Testament, one of the longest books of the Bible, if he trembled and quaked before God, if John, who was a friend of Jesus, trembled and quaked before God, who am I to say, I should not tremble and quake before God? What kind of arrogance do I think? Actually, like, how arrogant am I? I'm somehow better than them? <laughs> oh, I don't need, I don't need to tremble and quake. I'll awe and wonder God. Now, that, that's comfortable, right? Awe and wonder, right? It's a happy-go-lucky feeling. How many of you like, ah, you know, like, no, I don't like fear. But the thing about fear is this. It means simply that we take something seriously, Amen. If you're afraid of something, it means you're actually considering the cost. You're actually keeping it in perspective. You're taking it seriously. Now, is there chronic fear that we have in our lives? Yes. Are there fears that are unfounded? Yes. However, fear in its right place means I'm actually valuing life. <laughs> and I'm valuing that thing that's right in front of me. Yesterday, when I put my extension ladder on the new house... It's a lot higher than I'm used to. And some of you know, I really don't like ladders. And was I afraid? Yes, I was. And everybody finds that so funny. Because I'm six foot eight. <laughs> That's just six foot eight higher than most of y'all when you're that high. <laughs> I also lost a dear friend to falling off a ladder. I take it seriously. Fear of the Lord calls us to take God seriously. God is the God of the world. We are his creation. If we do not understand that, we will never find this fear. And we will miss what life truly is. This reminds me, and again, some of you have been around, you know I love, if, you, if you've been around, if you don't, that's okay, I'm going to fill you in. I love the Chronicles of Narnia. I love C.S. Lewis's telling of, of really truth about Jesus and the character of Aslan and, and through these children. And, and he's able to communicate things like that I, I spend all week trying to communicate. And he does, does better than like I do in a paragraph. But there's a great experience, yeah, Jackson's nodding his head because I know you like the Chronicles of Narnia. But there's this moment where the Pevensey children meet the beavers, and they're talking about Aslan and who Aslan is. Susan, the oldest, uh, she says this, Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion, right? And then Mrs. Beaver says, if there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or just silly. Then Lucy, then isn't he safe? Mr. Beaver, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. 
but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. I mean, C.S. Lewis can can take on this seeming paradox of the fear of the Lord, this awe and wonder and this trembling, and he can communicate it it to children (laughs) better than I can communicate it in in, in all of the words that I'm using in a sermon. (laughs) Is he safe? Well, Lewis would then later write this, people who have not been in Narnia sometimes think that a thing cannot be good and terrible at the same time. If the children had ever thought so, they were cured of it now. For when they tried to look at Aslan's face, they just caught a glimpse of the golden mane and the great, royal, solemn, overwhelming eyes. And then they found that they couldn't look at him, and they went all trembly. Would later go to tell the story through the the white witch. She didn't even want to hear Aslan's name because it depicted fear. Right, her, her minions, they, they weren't allowed to touch Aslan unless Aslan allowed them to. It reminds me much of Jesus when all of a sudden when he came upon a man possessed by demons. And just at the sight of demons, the, the, or of Jesus, the demons were like, hey, Jesus, Lord of all. Right? So the demons are quaking in the face of Jesus. So not just Isaiah, not just John, but the demons, that which is against us, that which brings evil into life, that which sucks life out of the world, they're trembling. Hey, can you throw us in those pigs so we can at least go drown or something? Like, we'd be better off just doing that. Please! <laughs> they're begging for mercy from God. Right? The fear of the Lord is both understanding and taking God seriously trembling at his holiness, his otherness, trembling at the fact that he is creator of the world. This is his world. My life is his. And then standing in awe and wonder that the one I fear is for me and not against me. The one I fear like Isaiah will cleanse my lips with a coal from his altar. Like John, his friend, will say, I am the first and the last and will lift his friend. Like Aslan would stand on behalf of the Pevensey children, would sacrifice himself so that one Edmund could live. That's the fear of the Lord. And what does this fear then accomplish for us? Proverbs says this to us. It it doesn't tell us that we now need to Be fearful of hell. Don't screw up again. No. The fear of the Lord does this. Whoever fears the Lord has a a secure fortress. And for their children, it will be a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a person from the snares of death. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. The fear of the Lord is a strong fortress, a refuge for us. Does that sound like anxiety-riddling God? Or does that sound like a God who is for you and not against you? Does that sound like a God who's looking to get you at every corner? Or does that sound like a God who's full of grace and mercy? Who gives you what you don't deserve? Who holds back what you do deserve? Because Jesus, in his finished work, we heard that this morning in baptism. He took that all on. We live because of his gift. Right? The fear of the Lord, when we rightly understand who he is, brings us to a place of contentment 
of peace, of security. Proverbs 19.23 says this, the fear of the Lord leads to life. Right? We're going to talk more about this, that God orders life next week. Right? That which is right, which is just. But then it says this, then one rests content, secure, at peace, untouched by trouble. And we know this untouched by trouble means that it, it, it doesn't mean that we're not going to have issues. It doesn't mean that we don't face challenges. It doesn't mean that we don't have hardships. We don't have horrific experiences taking on in our life. It just means that no matter what, as Paul says in, at the end of Romans 8, whether it's life or death, whether it's angels or demons, whether it's principalities or power, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. You have a secure foundation. This is why I'm so glad today lined up with y'all having Eliza baptized. These are not waters of fear. These are waters of hope. Because God is a fountain of life. He is a fortress. And in him and because of his everything, we are secure. And I know that to be true because I recognize who he is and what he had to do to save me and what he had to do to save us. He did what we could not do. He lived a life we couldn't live. He was everything I could not be. I praise a holy God and that God is for me and for you and not against you. So how do we live into this fear? Like, should we just be, ah, you know, falling flat on our face all the time, tripping over ourselves like, ah? No, I think the scripture just reminds us of a few things in Proverbs 16. See, humans belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the proper answer of tongue. All a person's ways seem pure to them, right? Amen. Most of our ways seem pure to us, but <laughs> the motives are weighed by the Lord. It's remembering that God is the one who knows the heart. God is directing our lives. Will we let him? As we all know, pride comes before the fall. When I put myself first in line, that isn't the place that God wants us to be. That's his place. It goes on in verse 3. And this is much like we've shared throughout this series from Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. But Proverbs 16, 3 says this, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he'll establish your plans. The Lord works out everything to its proper end. That's good news for us. God is working everything out to its proper end. Is he terrifying? Yes, but is he good? Yes. Do we believe that? Right? Even the wicked for a day of disaster. God knows that, but commit our way to the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, submit to him, and he will, what? Make your path straight. So we trust God. We rely on him. What do we do? We trust. We commit ourselves to him. Proverbs 21 says then, that our life actually does matter how we live it. A person may think their own ways are right. Again, there it shows up again, not just in Proverbs 16. We think our own ways are right, but the Lord weighs the heart. But listen to this. This is much like prophet Micah and others to do what is right and just 
is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. That to fear the Lord also means to obey him. It's not like in Proverbs 1 to 7 to despise wisdom, but it's to actually fall in line. I know we don't like it in a culture of, that we live in. I know we feel like sometimes that's weak. But the point in the place of strength in our lives is to line up for the, behind the one who is victorious. Not behind the one who's already been defeated. Right? That question of obedience is who do I line up behind? But here's the reality. Not all of us, you don't know, live perfectly. Amen? Right? <laughs> How many of you already screwed up today? Yep. I raised my hand. <laughs> but listen to this wisdom and gift. Whoever conceals their sin doesn't prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. The fear of the Lord isn't just obedience. The fear of the Lord is understanding when we've been out of line and saying, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgiveness. Confession. And then finally this. Last scripture of the morning. Blessed is the one who always trembles before God, but whoever hardens their heart falls into trouble. Folks, I know the fear of the Lord isn't necessarily a concept. We don't, we don't like to be afraid. I don't like saying, oh, by the way, you better be freaked out before God. <laughs> like We're talking about the God of the world here. But I can do it because the God who you fear is for you and not against you. I can hold those things together. And this morning I encourage you to hold those things together. To never stop trembling before God. Because when you do, you've now stepped into first place. And he's no longer in his spot. And I know this. That's usually not the greatest path to life. But when we line up behind him, we have a shield, we have a protector. We have one who will fight battles for us. We have one who even the darkness trembles before. Let's pray. Our God and Heavenly Father, thank you so much for not being afraid to show us all of who you are. For giving us stories of your immensity in the Bible. I can't always comprehend those. I can't always even make sense of all of them. And there are stories, God, where you are so far beyond us, so far transcendent and above us, so untouchable, that it makes my mind just explode. But Lord, their stories are to help us understand and see the immensity of who you are. So that we never take you lightly. So that we take you seriously, Lord. And that as we take you seriously, we understand that in that, you being for us and not against us is a security. That when we line up behind you, we line up behind the king. And while our knees may knock, our heart rests secure. We stand in hope. 
God, this is the truth for this world. This is the beginning and end of wisdom. You are the source and the summit. God, you are life. So direct our hearts and our minds. Help us to tremble and quake and be assured of your goodness and grace. God, we love you and we praise you. We honor you, Jesus, the King. It's in your name we pray. And all God's children said, Amen. We invite you to stand with us as we just lift up the mighty name of Jesus, the one that the shadows can't deny, that can't be overcome. So let's sing this together.
descend, come down from a throne, but one that even the darkness trembles before. He's our king, but we bend our knee to him, and yet this one that we bend a knee to, like his brother John, will place his hand on our shoulder and invite us to stand, because he is the first and the last. Amen? Receive this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance, his smile upon you, and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's children said, amen. amen. We invite you to hang around, chat. If you want to help us stack a few chairs, we appreciate it. Otherwise, go in peace. <laughs>